liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Today I had on Dr. Carolyn Borisenko. She is the PragerU why I left the left fame lady who, man, she's very smart, but she also is very willing to start some fires online. And she did this week when she questioned whether or not Hitler and aborted babies go to heaven and if they choose to die or not. At first, a completely bewildering take, I must admit. But after giving it more thought, as someone who's you know more agnostic leaning, I thought, well, these are interesting concepts. I mean, I'm not saying she's right. In fact, I told her directly, I don't actually agree. However, she is a deep thinker. And when you think deeply and you take risks, you are meant for Liberty Lockdown. And I thought she was brilliant, honestly. I think that she's, she's done a ton of work on CRT. It's critical race theory. Uh, she obviously is a, a doctor, so she's got the education on it. She's a social psychologist of some sort and very, very uh, in-depth knowledge when it comes to uh, HR departments and how wokeism and CRT has now infested or infected rather uh, corporate America. So this is an interesting conversation that if you can set a Set your preconceived notions if you are only familiar with her because of those tweets this week. Uh, set them aside. Listen to her with an open mind. I think you will find her to be a very compelling and interesting character. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. Today, I have on a lady who set the Twitter sphere afire just over the past 48 hours. Dr. Carlin Borisenko, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Um, well, so first, before we get into the, the drama du jour, which honestly I don't care much about, but I am still interested in having you extrapolate a little bit on those thoughts because I thought they were interesting. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the the hex that <laughs> the, the hexing lady in, in New, LP, New Hampshire. I don't even know where she's at. Uh, this is all probably too inside baseball for most people, but it's a funny story. So if you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so there's a lady in New Hampshire who actually got expelled from the party um, earlier this year before the whole New Hampshire coup thing went down. And um, she hates the Mises caucus so much that she is actively publicly talking about putting a hex on us. She has a whole Amazon wish list about this hex. She publicly asked people at to going to the LNC meeting in Boston to get people strands of people's hair with like a piece of tape, like go behind them with a piece of tape to get strands of their hair for this hex. So Ooh. it's it's like it's a whole thing and i actually think it's ironic with the twitter drama that's going on right now because of course her both her and her husband have denounced me as a as a <laughs> evil anti-semite and i'm like you're putting a hex on people <laughs> <laughs> well oh my goodness i'm not i'm not much of a believer in hexes but uh you know i appreciate her spirit i guess uh <laughs> God, people people are interesting. I, I just can't imagine being so involved in a political party that really wields no power to the point that you'd be so offended at people involved in it that you would actually want to put curses on them. I mean, that is next level. 
It is. Well, generally, I think that if you don't believe in curses or hexes, they don't do um, a dang thing. But I will say this, like, listen, in the past couple of years, I, I came from the left. I came from the Democrats. I was kind of tangentially revolved in the Republicans. I ended up in the Libertarians. Libertarians are the most fun. There's yes. no other public par party where there's public hexing and coups <laughs> and like drama all the time. It's fantastic. Well, it's it's definitely the most fun. I think it's also the most frustrating because there's, uh, you know, we have these we have very serious libertarians that want to have uh you know be a legitimate third political party and then you have people that get naked and they go on stage and they debate with a boot on their head and things like that and there's everything in between and it's like i i like it because that's that's how i am some days i wake up and i'm very serious and other days i wake up and i'm just like i just want to make fun of the political system and i don't i don't want to give it the legitimacy that it doesn't really deserve um so it's i mean it reflects me in a way that i think is kind of appropriate but at the same time, you know, I understand the the counter arguments uh, about having a libertarian party. If it's going to be a joke some of the times, um, that kind of defeats the purpose of when you're trying to take it seriously. How, how do you find that balance? You know, I think that I think that everything is about balance. I think that um, I think you can't know. And we'll talk about this getting into some of the drama. You can't know dark without light. Right. Like you, like sure. you learn by contrast. And I think the reality is that the libertarian party is just more transparent about its drama and its nonsense but there is the democrats have their nonsense the republicans have their nonsense we just have nonsense that's like a little bit crazier publicly but yes. you know what like i don't mind it i think it's all in good fun and i think that um i generally think that anything to delegitimize the system and politics and the two-party system and government in general is probably a good thing and i actually think it probably resonates with normal people on a different level um True. than just like if we were you know had a suit and tie and we're being all proper about it right yeah i, I mean if you're trying to get votes, sometimes it's good to do the suit and tie thing. But if you're trying to point out the evil of the system, sometimes it's good to do the boot on the head thing. So um, I see I see value in both. Uh, so anyways, let's let's quickly get into the, the drama. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to make it the entire focus of the show. But it honestly, I thought I thought your tweets were interesting. I you know, like I and, and let me also say you you have had some follow ups to it that make it seem as if you were perhaps intentionally trolling. Um, I. I thought you were being honest about it. So if you could clarify a little bit about what you were doing there. I was both intentionally trolling and being honest about it. Okay. okay. So, so I, I, I absolutely 100% believe every single thing that I tweeted. However, this whole thing started as me saying like, okay, I get into it with conservative Christians like all the time. And I, I don't have any problem with, you know, Christians in general. I think everyone should be able to believe what they want to believe, worship how they want to worship. But conservative Christians that proselytize, proselytize to me all the time annoy the hell out of me. And so this to me started as an exercise as I'm going to speak about my beliefs as bluntly and overtly as I see Christians doing it every single day to me, every single time they condemn me to hell or any one of these things. And I'm just going to roll with it and, and, and see what happens. And so it literally took 24 hours from the time I started speaking about my beliefs and the way that Christians do every day to when I sent the infamous tweet that, <laughs> that, that every, like the, the, the castle came tumbling down. They couldn't stand this for 24 hours. And so, yeah. no, it, it absolutely did start as like an intentional troll on Christians, but I do believe all of it. Um, but you know, I was, I was using the, First of all, I was asked about it. So this actually started in the context of like the abortion debate and, you know, do you believe we have a moral obligation to ban abortion? No, I don't. 
I don't believe we have a moral obligation to do anything. And so then it was like, it was, there was follow up. Well, do you believe that murder victims choose to be murdered? Well, yes. If I'm being consistent about my beliefs that everyone chooses, you know, everything, generally speaking, my beliefs are that everyone chooses everything about their experience before they're born, right? Before like they choose it when we're floating around up in the spirit realm. Um, and then they come and they live out those, those choices. So if I choose, if I believe that that people choose the time that they die. Yes, I believe that murder victims choose the time that they die. And yes, I believe that people who died in the Holocaust, sadly and tragically, because it is a sad and tragic event, right. chose it. I, I do. And so I was using the most inflammatory possible examples that I could to piss people off. And, you know, it got a little out of hand. A little out of hand. <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, like if if that's your belief, it's not out of hand. You're just you're just being honest about what you believe. And, you know, like I, I said in your defense, uh, I forget who it was. It doesn't really matter. But they were they were sharing the Newsweek hit piece on you. And I was just saying, like, this is so pathetic. I mean, you're you're playing right in the cathedral's hands with an ally of ours. Like, why would you possibly do that unless oh, it's Mises Caucus affiliated. You're not a fan of the Mises Caucus. You're so like, as soon as you're a useful idiot right away. Uh, but but to the, the overarching point, you know, like I said, I don't agree with Carlin. I don't. I don't think that this is actually correct, but I still think it's interesting. And for the record, I also don't believe in heaven or hell. And I think that that's not correct. So like, there's nothing wrong with me saying I don't agree. Uh, but it also yeah. doesn't make, you know, I don't think that you're, honestly, I don't think you're any crazier than people that believe in, you know, this, the, the normal heaven and hell uh, Christian God story. So I don't know. I just, I just, I guess maybe because I don't have a firm belief, I, I wasn't uh, as offended as other people. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of the offense is feigned outrage, right? It's it's not real. Sure. I mean, this this legitimately did start on the Christian right, but then it kind of got blown up with conservative trolls. There are a couple who have really had it out for me for a very long time because I've called them out, Ian Miles Chung and specifically, like mm. he has had it out for me for a very long time. He was actually quoted in that in the, in the Newsweek piece commenting saw, on yeah. my mental health. I'm like, dude, I've been so so the the irony of all of this is I like one of the things that I've been actually talking about a lot this year is back in June actually a week before pork fest I got canceled or like ta like like had I was online mobbed by legitimate anti-semites and legitimate white identitarians like no this is not like like fake like nonsense media stuff these are these are really bad people and they were coming after me for weeks and so I started talking about it publicly and I've actually been going right at these people and trying to expose them for months and months and months and so you know, I actually find it a little ironic that I'm being canceled for tweeting something about the Holocaust when I have legitimately been tweeting and posting and researching and doing actual journalism around legitimate anti-Semites for months mm -hmm. that no one has come near. Mm -hmm. No one's come near it. So, I mean, for me, the, out, the vast majority of the outrage was feigned outrage. It's just for internet clickbait drama. And I, I frankly just refuse to take it seriously. I refuse. Well, I can I can respect that as a uh, a fellow fire starter online. Um, <laughs> I, but let, let's talk about, a little bit about the the idea itself because I think sure. it is interesting. Um, first off, I guess if we can choose when we when we're born and when we die, why would people be? I mean, just philosophically, like I I can understand that belief system that maybe mm -hmm. that's that's how this uh, this hologram is is structured that we get to do that, but. Um, but why why would why would anyone pick to to have such a torturous ending 
Um, I think that there are a couple of reasons for it. And I want to first start off by saying, like, I don't really care if people agree with me. I'm not trying to convert anyone or anything. I'm just talking about my philosophical way of viewing the world. I think there are many reasons why people might choose that existence. First, I do believe in multiple lives. I believe that we live hundreds of lives before now and we'll live hundreds of lives after now. And so what we're experiencing right now is not the end all be all of our experience, right? I also believe that our purpose living um, as human beings is that we are spiritual beings living a human existence. So our human existence is to serve our spiritual development. And so when we're thinking about what the purpose of life is, I believe that the purpose of life is to experience different things. Now, if you went through your daily life and everything that you experienced all day, every day was like sunshine and roses and unicorns, and you never had any challenges and you never were, um, were oppressed for lack of a better word in, in any way, that would be honestly kind of a really boring experience, right? right. Like if, if we don't have certain bad that comes up in our life, can we ever really truly appreciate everything we have going for us? If you've never ex experienced a cold, snowy New Hampshire window win winter, can you appreciate that view you have out your window right now, True. right? So, yeah. so life is a mix of both good and bad. And so if we're looking at it on a spiritual level, I do believe that there are absolutely reasons why people would choose existences that involve suffering, that involve pain, that involve being part of one of the most horrific tragedies in the history of the world because that's going to allow them to understand the opposite of that experience in a new way so if you have one of the most painful existences well guess what on a spiritual level you're going to understand joy and love and peace and freedom in a whole new way and i also sure. believe that all that information leads to a collective consciousness somewhere so not only did the people that died in that horrific event um like not only did they gain that experience themselves but i believe they gained that experience for all of us so mm. that we would know what the ultimate evil might look like so that we could learn from that and hopefully never repeat it again well that's that's very that's very interesting i i uh i think that there's there's some truth to that in, in that you know obviously the the holocaust is the thing that we all hold up as like this is the worst thing that can happen basically mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you yeah. can have a totalitarian state and kind of cult-like thinking and and it can end up in a very dramatic fiery ending and um i mean it's I, it's bizarre that like people constantly feel this need to point out how bad the Holocaust was like it, because to me, it's such a given, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, the fucking Holocaust, it's, it's like, mm -hmm. it's the worst possible thing. So yeah. Uh, but I, I really do agree with you that it's performative in nature that, that people, people understand that like other than the most unhinged, crazy people, uh, no one actually is a white supremacist or a Nazi or supports uh, any of the any of the Holocaust behavior that happened, and, and no one wants to see it again. It's it's uh, it's really remarkable to me that like this is this is still a thing that people are kind of uh, I don't know excommunicated for because just for just for even talking about it in a philosophical spiritual sense, you were it's still yes. thrown out. Well, and I'll tell you this too, going back to what I said about the fact that I've actually been calling out legitimate anti-Semites all year long. I right. have the people that I've been calling out, I have them on video. Actually, I have one guy who was a public school teacher in Arizona talking about the fact that he quit being a public school teacher in Arizona because the state of Arizona mandated that he teaches the Holocaust. He doesn't believe that the Holocaust exists. So he stopped being a public school teacher. And I have him, like he actually went and created a whole homeschool curriculum called the School of the West that is specifically a development program for white well-being 
that is like teaches that the Holocaust didn't happen. These are the people that I've been going after for the entire year. So again, like right. these people actually do exist. I have like a like spammer calling me over and over again or something. Like these people do actually exist and I've been going after them, but all of a sudden I'm the the, the anti-Semite and the white supremacist. It makes no sense. Like, come on. No, no. And and for the record, I, I wasn't saying that they don't exist. Uh, I'm just saying oh, that the, the, they're very, it's a very fringe element. And and it's yes. it's something that that bothers me because oftentimes as a, you know, kind of a, a white male political dissident, um, I'm kind of put in a position of constantly disavowing them as if like, oh, yeah. as if that's like even a thought that I would have in my mind, uh, which is frustrating to be honest. But, it, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. Like we had that, that, uh, uh, that rabbi that debated Dave Smith a, a couple months ago um, on David Fight's show. And, and there's this, this, I mean, basically myself and a few other libertarians, a lot of, a lot of other libertarians are, are trying to sound the alarm about what we're witnessing and experiencing today to, and we're uh, comparing it to what transpired in the lead up, not the actual Holocaust, but the lead up to the Holocaust and saying, hey, these are some of the things that happened that got us to the Holocaust and perhaps we should take that seriously and perhaps we should correct course because we all agree that the Holocaust was terrible and we don't wanna see it happen again. And it's like, that seems like a really reasonable thing, but you have actual rabbis that are willing to sit down with Dave Smith and tell him that it's anti-Semitic at its roots to even compare the two things. If you are to have never forgotten, which is the whole you know, catchphrase, uh, why are we supposed to have never forgotten if we can't ever bring it up to say, hey, let's not fucking do this shit again? Well, and, and, no, I mean, and I, I agree. Actually, I was having this conversation like a couple hours ago with people saying, you know, like if I'm having a conversation about our greater existence in the world, then why wouldn't we bring up one of the most impactful events in the history of mankind? That just makes no sense. And so, no, I absolutely agree. It's like, if you truly, if, if people truly believe in honoring the, the victims of the Holocaust, then we should absolutely be talking about the Holocaust. We should absolutely be talking about the way in which the Holocaust happens. And I think that, you know, one of the things I would encourage people to do is like understand that most of the outrage that you get is feigned outrage. Mm -hmm. Most of it is not real, especially when it comes from like insane leftists with like cartoon icons and like all this stuff and they're Twitch streamers or whatever. Like it right. is not real. It, what they're doing is they're feeding an addiction to outrage that has been carefully cultivated probably for the last, you know, what, five to 10 years. They've been constantly right. looking for new reasons to be outraged. And so if someone says Holocaust, like their antenna perks up like Holocaust, who can we cancel now? It's like uh... they're constantly on the, the lookout for stuff like this. And so I think that these conversations are perfectly legitimate. I think if you actually care about never experiencing something like that again, these are things you should dissect and that you should talk about in a respectful way where you're like, I want to avoid this. I don't want to do this again. Can we right. not? Yeah. Well, I mean, when camps are starting to be built for peaceful people uh, based off of medical health status, and that is actually something that, start, you know, that started to in the lead up uh, with the mm -hmm. typhus outbreak, um, yeah, I, I like it's. I, I can't even believe I have to justify bringing that up. Like, I am concerned as hell that we're doing some of the things that I thought. And and, and speaking of your, you know, uh, ethereal realm collective consciousness uh, thesis, like that to me is one of those examples of where, like, in the collective consciousness, uh, we have all learned about the evils of the Holocaust and we want to prevent it. And that's like, that is the lesson that we're supposed to have taken away from it. But it appears that some people have just taken away the lesson that 
you have to be extremely careful with people's feelings to prevent a Holocaust, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> Well, no, and this is actually, I was thinking about this earlier today, like your feelings on a subject are not the best indicator of whether or not I should talk about that subject. I mean, Mm. and it's, and it's ironic, isn't it? Because I mean, like, like I said, like for people who don't know, like I was a Democrat for 20 years, I accidentally publicly left the Democratic Party at the beginning of 2020. I instantly got sucked into like the conservative love bomb circle. I was like the conservative darling for a month and a half. And, and, you know, like in, in, in 2020, like what I heard from conservatives and the right was, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. We make decisions logically, not emotionally. Like where the heck is that gone now? I feel like every single side wants us to make decisions based on how they feel about a topic. And I just don't feel the need to restrict my speech or the ideas that I can think about based on how you might feel about those things. I, I think that's totally reasonable. And I mean, it's like with free speech, obviously you, you have the right to say it, but you're going to, you're going to have a reaction too. That's like, there's mm-hmm. nothing against the bill of rights or anything like that for having a reaction. It's just, I think that we also have a, a, a right to respond in kind and say this, this faux outrage is nonsense and yes. get a fucking life. <laughs> you know, like that. Exactly. Like stand your ground. Don't I, I have not apologized at all. In fact, what I did immediately when they started canceling me is I doubled down and I said, no, I'm not sorry. I said it. I believe every single thing that I said, I will continue to say it today. I was tweeting like, you know, straight white men died in world war two by choice or something like that. <laughs> like, like, where's my outrage? Where's my Newsweek headline? <laughs> oh, see, see, now that one offends me. I can't believe you dragged me into this as a world war two veteran and a straight white man. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no. I'm, I'm obviously going to hell, but I don't believe it exists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are you are being intentionally inflammatory when you say I believe Hitler went to heaven, and you don't even believe believe that that heaven exists. So I don't know if you believe I, that. Wait, one. hang on. I believe heaven exists. I well, I, I oh, you do. Concept, okay. I, I don't conceptualize it as heaven. I think that there is a place that all of us go as spiritual beings after we die um, to work out our lives and to process and to take a break in between lives. So I do actually believe there's a place we all go. I don't usually call it heaven, but if I can, if I can, you know, perturb the Christians a little bit by calling it heaven, I will. But I legitimately <laughs> do not believe that hell exists. So like, you know, if you're, if I'm saying like Hitler went to heaven, well, where else did you want him to go? Like Walmart? Like, <laughs> Oh my God. I, 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 oh man, my, my, my Christian listeners are going to be bothered by this one, but I, I'm sorry guys. Like, you know, I'm not a religious, uh, you know, deep seated believer or anything like that. Like I, I actually find myself more in alignment with your belief system that I, I believe that there is, there is a, a, a spiritual realm. If there is anything, I think that makes the most sense. I don't think it has, uh, you know, this Hey Geography uh, story about it where, you know, a man came down to earth, which is one of many rocks in all of the universe. And, and that is actually like the, the creator of everything. Like it, I don't know. It just seems a little far-fetched to me. It seems more, more reasonable to assume that there's uh there's basically um, I don't know. There's like, if there is a creator, it's more likely to me that it's a simulation and that it's a computer program than the the Christian Bible story. But I don't know. You know, I just don't know. You know, I haven't ruled that out entirely, if I'm honest. I mean, essentially, I believe that we are all the gods of our own experience, that we create our own experience. And that actually is not 
out of line with the fact that we might be in a simulation right now. But no, I mean, to the Christians listening or, or any other religious dom- denomination, like I don't care what religion people are. I think that everyone Maybe. is on their own journey. I, I generally conceptualize God as showing up to the people who choose to practice religion and choose to have faith in the, in the form that they need it. So I don't think there's anything wrong or bad about pre- like practicing religions that I don't practice. It just happens not to be my choice. Yeah, exactly. Same, same way. Like I'm, I'm very tolerant of everyone's religion. I think that there is tremendous good that has come from religion. I think that the community that it, that it uh, creates to a large extent can be extremely positive. Obviously there's downsides, which I'm not mentioning right now because I'm trying to express Mm -hmm. the positivity uh, that I have about religion. And I think that there's a lot of the kind of decay that's happening in society could be potentially a product of the diminishing power of the church. And, and you know, I, I think there's also some positives that come from the diminishing power of the church. So I, I don't know. I see it as I like, I, I know this kind of feels like I'm, I'm 50, 50 everything, but that's really how I feel. There is good and bad that has come from all of these developments. What do you think? I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, part of, part of, I mean, listen, like part of why I think that, that people might choose to be born into a horrific event is because I think there's good and bad in everything. Mm. I think there, there, you know, it, it seems like the worst, most awful choice you can make to be born into a situation like that. But there's also good that can come of it in that it teaches all of us what that feels like so that we never experience it again. That's a positive outcome. So I think that life is about balance. And I don't think that we can ever experience the greatest joys in life until we experience the greatest tragedies. And we learn best through contrast. Like if you have never had, if you've never had the displeasure of having to take a cold shower in your life, I don't think you can really truly appreciate appreciate how awesome a hot shower is like we take that hot shower for granted until we our water heater breaks then we have to take a cold shower one day <laughs> we look at hot showers and sit in the whole new way so i think it's yeah. a balance yeah well it, and now it takes tremendous affluence so that you can do really extreme things to to torture yourself like uh you know uh, freeze freezing chambers or whatever they're called um <laughs> we, we we find new ways to basically our lives are so comfortable that we are finding new ways to make life more challenging um so yeah i think that's interesting yeah um well i I think that the the one thing that i have to get a little additional details from you on because otherwise people will probably feel like i'm being too nice to you but um the the abortion the abortion debate is Mm -hmm. one that i know libertarians are very divided on uh there's very passionate proponents on both sides um i i personally believe that abortion is murder however Mm -hmm. I also, and I think it's bad. Um, however, I also don't trust the state to enforce it. And I don't, I don't want them imprisoning mothers that have, uh, you know, miscarriages and things of that nature. I, I think that it would be just disastrous if we were to give the state that power. So that's where I fall on it. Um, you said something to the effect of uh, both the babies prior to being put in the womb chose that path. Um, and then uh, when you started off this episode, you said something to the effect of, you do you can't make a moral judgment on that act can you explain that yeah so again um and i'm i'm coming specifically from my belief system with this not not looking at like you know human considerations i if i believe that everyone chooses their life and everyone up to and including when they die then what i believe in regards to abortion and also quite frankly miscarriages i believe that this was an agreement between the mother and the child that this was this was something that needed to happen to maybe give the mother that experience maybe the mother maybe the mother has an abortion when she's younger and she goes on to become the most amazing pro life 
activist and the history of pro-life activists, like it, it might require that sort of thing. But I also believe, and, and this is something that gets talked about a lot in spiritual circles, is that when a baby dies before it's born, it can make the choice and often does to come back in a future child because I don't believe the spirit ever really dies. I believe we just change forms. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes you'll, you'll, you, I mean, you'll, I, I, I bet a lot of people have heard stories from mothers who have had a, a miscarriage or had, had an abortion and they really feel like that spirit has come back in their next child. So mm-hmm. from a moral standpoint, I, I don't feel that it is my place to judge the actions of another human being because I am not on their journey. I am not living their life. I did not make their choices. Um, so from that perspective, I, like, I'm like i pro-choice, but I'm also just pro-choice from a practical level. I think that bad things sometimes happen to women that I'm not going to say the word on YouTube because don't want you to demonetize. And I think that women should have a choice. And I think that um, protecting that choice protects, frankly, you know, I, I don't understand the argument that I often hear in conservative circles saying, okay, well, let's outlaw it except in cases of that our oh, word assaults, yeah, right? Or incest, yeah. Or 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 things like that. Um, because then what's gonna happen if you make if you make that the only way for a woman to get an abortion, more men are gonna be falsely accused of things that they didn't do. I'm not okay with that either. And so for me personally, I've never had an abortion. I never will have an abortion, but I don't think it's my place to make determinations about other people's lives. Do you want to have abs like Jake Shields? Do you want to be able to outrun the zombie apocalypse or the socialist hordes? Well, boy, do I have a device for you that you must add to your workout regimen immediately unless you want to be a soy boy loser, and nobody wants that. Go to sideshaper.com and pick up the side shaper. This thing is unreal. Just got myself one, and it is kicking my ass. No exaggeration. I've been working out in the gym for years and years and years and years, and I have never had abs this sore. This thing is unreal. Go to sideshaper.com. You can check out a video there of what it's all about. It's worth a minute of your time just to look at and see if it's of interest to you. Go to sideshaper.com, and if you pick one up, make sure you use code LIBERTY for $50 off. This offer is exclusive to my listeners. Again, use code LIBERTY at sideshaper.com. Get yourself in shape before the new year, ladies. Okay. Well, that's reasonable. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, like, as I said, I disagree because I think that it, it is morally wrong. But it, at the same time, that's my morality, you know, and that's that's my judgment and my willingness to pass that judgment. But at the same time, a lot of people would be pissed at me because even though I find it morally wrong and I think it is murder, I don't want to put them in prison, you know? So now I'm I'm morally bad and they have their opinion and I can respect that opinion. I think they're wrong and <laughs> like, I don't know. I just... <laughs> hey, well, but let's play this out though. Like if, if this is coming from a moral place, what I believe is that, you know, the any punishment that any human being can inflict on another person probably pales in comparison to the punishment that person can inflict upon themselves. Right. So why am I never, if I don't believe that there is like moral right and moral wrong, why aren't I just out there being a serial killer and killing everyone that I don't like? Right. Well, first of all, I'd end up in jail and I don't really want to go to jail. Like that would be, that would be unfortunate, but also like, I don't want to live with the mental pain and the torment that I would inflict upon myself for the rest of my life. I mean, this is like, you might think of this as karma. Everything we put out into the world is going to come back to bite us. And, and just because I think that we choose certain parts of our lives does not it does not mean that we do not experience the consequences of those choices. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are, there well, are other if, forms of punishment outside the government. <laughs> if you don't think it's morally wrong, why would you have guilt? 
I mean, I, I feel like I would have a tremendous amount of guilt if I ended someone else's experience. I, and, I, and I think because I think that everything we put out into the world is a reflection of ourselves at the end of the day. Um, I don't think it's my place to end someone else's experience. I don't think it's my place to interfere in someone else's experience. And so, yeah, I think I would have a lot of guilt and torment. So, well, then that seems as if you're not really the, uh, the postmodernist moral relative, relativist you started this off with. If you still, if you still see that as being bad, Am I mis- am I misreading this at all? Oh no, I'm I'm very much like the I I'm I I'm not an objectivist by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Listen, I mean, I think that this is this is it comes back to a personal choice. I don't think that the government needs to punish people in order for people to act as good human beings. I don't think we need that threat of of the state over us or jail or or whatever it is. Um. So that's like in in my personal experience, I don't want to kill anyone else. I have yeah. no desire to kill anyone else. And I would feel pretty bad if I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. And I mean, only in the most extreme self-defense cases would I even consider it. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that the the libertarians are, are and, and well, let me ask, has it been, um, you know, Mises Caucus libertarian types that have been tearing you to shreds too? Or is it just the oh, conservative? No, 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 no. So, so mostly the people who have been tearing, I actually really haven't, well, I think there have been some libertarians, but they're definitely not Mises Caucus. I will say like, like the, the LPNH has been completely supportive. They don't care. They think the whole thing's kind of funny, right, um, nice. but, but um, no, I mean, like there have been people, but mostly who I've, I started from the conservative right. And then all these crazy leftists got involved and, and piled on. So I think there's been some libertarian stuff. Like some people went on the LPNH website and found out I'm on their communications committee Ooh. and yeah, they made yeah, a big yeah. deal out of it um but i didn't honestly like there's just been so much like i haven't really even seen most of it okay well that's 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 reasonable <laughs> i'm glad to hear it wasn't like uh you know the uh the prominent or the prominent or the primary force force that was coming after you wasn't libertarians because that would be very disappointing to me um so what i mean what are the comparisons here to your experiences with leaving the left. And, and I think you've mentioned that you, you left it in part due to cancel mm-hmm. culture. Um, yeah. and, and it seems to be following you wherever you go now. <laughs> um, so is this, is this making you double down in your, in your um, belief that you were correct in, in leaving the left, quote unquote? Oh, I was 100% correct in leaving the left. But you know, it's been an interesting journey. I've been canceled probably you know, it's getting up to probably a dozen times in the past two years. I've been canceled by one group or another. So I'm kind of, I'm pretty old hat at it at this point. I kind of know how it goes. <laughs> um, but I definitely like when I left the left, um, I basically had, I, I was a Democrat for 20 years, went to a Trump rally, um, discovered that Trump supporters weren't Nazis, as it turned out, um, wrote an article about it, put it on Medium. It went insanely viral all over the place. And when that happened, I, and I did get canceled quite a bit by the left. I got canceled a couple of times by the left. I lost clients. I had to figure out my business. And though, by the way, the pandemic started at around the same time. So that was a really interesting time to be canceled. Um, Pretty tumultuous. But, what, what, if you yeah. could tell people your profession in terms of. Yeah. What- so I, I'm an organizational psychologist, so I'm a business psychologist. I do um, coaching and training in corporate environments and stuff like that. Um, and so actually the pandemic really did impact my business. And then on top of that, um, George Floyd happened and George Floyd completely turned my business on 
its head because at that mm. point it was like you like I, I sell things like um like I, I wrote a whole book about mindfulness in the workplace and doing trainings around that I do communication training stuff like that couldn't sell any of that anymore because it was all about diversity woke anti-racism all the time and so yeah. at that point I kind of like pieced out of the corporate training world and I just started focusing on content and doing stuff online still doing some coaching and stuff in the background but I don't really talk about it because I don't want to get canceled um but like <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I, I've really been focusing in on the culture war um, and that sort of stuff. I toured around the country with the walkaway campaign with Brandon Schrock, trying to get people to leave the Democratic Party. Um, and so I was like, you know, I got canceled by the left a couple of times. But you know what the funny thing was? It was after the inauguration. And I you know, listen, I was a big fan of the populist movement that was coming out of the MAGA movement. I do actually think there's more alignment with at least the Mises caucus and a lot of the people that I met in the MAGA movement specifically than, than people agree. think. I think yeah. it's like fertile recruiting ground for yep. the Mises caucus and they just, they aren't aware of it. Um, but like I, I started getting involved more with the Republican party after the election and I was working on um, the anti-CRT bill in New Hampshire found out the Republican Party is just total trash. Like the Republican Party went insane after the inauguration and the, and the right in general. And, you know, the sad thing to me is that what I see happening on the, the political right right now is I see a lot of them turning into the woke left. They're, it looks right now, it looks no different to me than the woke left. And I actually think that's really sad. I see, and we started seeing this after the inauguration, they were starting to cancel people. Like they got all, they got off on canceling Chrissy Teigen for something that she did two years ago. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really like Chrissy Teigen, but she did it two years ago. Why are we canceling her for it now? Right. And so I think that the, the conservative right for me has gotten very angry and I see them backlashing against the left. And it's like, I kind of went like, the, like I left the left for a reason. I don't want to be any part of it. And so I actually started because I, I was speaking out against this because when you speak out, you end up getting canceled. I've gotten canceled five or six times by the conservative right in the last year. Um, and I think it's because, listen, like I really, I, I was a conservative darling when I first left the left. Like I was at all the events, everyone knew who I was, all this stuff. And so I think that they felt betrayed by me, but I also don't feel the need to hold back on my opinions. I mean- you know, I think that part of this whole journey for me has been in speaking my mind and speaking out about what I believe in and frankly, going on a political journey to even figure out what I believe in. Because yeah. when you leave a party that you've been in for 20 years, it's, it's a little bit of a mind fuck, if I'm honest about it. And I so um, I just kind of kept talking. I've been canceled by both sides and I'm very happy where I am now with the LPNH and the Mises Caucus. That's great. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I love the journey. I, I, this is, this is another problem I have with the libertarian party is that mm -hmm. there is cancel culture within that. I, oh, I yeah. went on, I went on part of the problem with Dave Smith last weekend and, and I talked about because Dave decided to fire start like you do. <laughs> he, he, he started talking about what we should do about the homelessness crisis because he tried to bring his daughter to a park and, and there was homeless people doing drugs all over the place. And he was like, well, this is fucking crazy. Like I, we, we need to have a resolution to this. And, and I agree with him. We do need a resolution. And, you know, uh, Rothbard thought that in, in his nineties Rothbard, which is also a canceled version of Rothbard that, Unleashing the police as long as they have liability to address this issue may be the, mo the best short-term band-aid for it and not a permanent fix. Obviously, all libertarians agree that the permanent fix is far, far more in-depth and takes more time. 
Um, but in the interim, as long as you have state power that's corrupting and, and creating a, a really sick culture where drug addiction uh, skyrockets, you, you may want to have a temporary band-aid to try and maintain some, some semblance of a, of a community you want to live in. And it's like, this is a very nuanced discussion. I am not saying I support the police. I'm not saying I back the blue. I'm not saying I want them to go and you know, round up and do terrible things to homeless people. I have tremendous sympathy in my heart for drug addicts uh, and, and homeless people with mental health issues or, or poverty. Like there's a, a litany of reasons that you can be homeless and some people do it voluntarily. There's, it's very, very oh, yeah. nuanced, very nuanced. And yet I still have had people every day come at me going, you support the cops. <laughs> it's just like, it's like you motherfuckers. I've like, I couldn't have been more clear in how, how sensitive this topic is to me because I do not support the police, but how I would like to not live in a community where there's tent cities, you know, like <laughs> it goes both ways. Uh, so yeah, your, your point about, about cancel culture being a problem. And, and this is, this is actually, I believe a very uh, human nature knee-jerk response to feeling as if your career is jeopardized jeopardized for you know the past couple of years because the left's rise when it comes to controlling the culture and now anytime you get a chance to take a scalp like Chrissy Teigen you regardless of your feelings about cancel culture you say fuck it let's take her scalp you know and yeah and, and you cheer it and it's like these this is all bad this is this is how war escalates. Like you you don't if you lose your principles because you want vengeance, you don't actually make progress. I don't know what you think about all that. No, I, I completely agree with you. I kind of watched that homelessness discussion on the periphery. I was like, they're screaming about something, like what's going on. But like <laughs> I also I also do like you know, you're right. Like we I think that there has to be a balance to these things, and we have to understand that we we exist in an imperfect world. And while we're trying to create like whatever utopian world that we want to create, um, you know, it, it's like you have to work within the system that you have and you have to solve problems as they come up right now. And it's like I don't think there should be any fault levied at saying, you know what, I don't like this system, but while this system exists, I have to work within this system while simultaneously over here working to dismantle the system. Exactly. We can have a completely different conversation once we get to a point of dismantling the system. I kind of feel the same way about like the whole minarchist anarchist thing. Yes. Like I don't I don't know where I where I even fall on the spectrum. I think I'm like tipping closer to anarchy like every single day of yeah. the week but the fact of the matter is is like we are so far off from either of those scenarios that i don't really feel a need to put like a standard you know definition and say this is what i think we should do and, then, and everyone else sucks and i won't work with anyone else that's stupid we need yeah. to move the needle back um before we can have that discussion but no i think the cancel culture is a big problem and i think you know it's going to hit everyone who speaks up online at some point because we're all going to say something stupid that's good listen like when I was in that Twitter storm with the infamous tweet, I was literally sitting in the back row at an event where I was bored and I was tweeting and I wasn't even just saying, I was like, I want to say the most inflammatory possible thing. I didn't even think about it until the next day. And so it's like, when you're saying things online and you're taking stands, you're going to be canceled. And I think we need to think about, do we want to live in a world where we're not allowed to throw out ideas? Do we want to live in a world where we can't have nuanced conversations? And I oftentimes think that these people who are just screaming and crying over every single Hey, this is Isaac Morehouse here, the CEO of Crash.co. If you're listening to Liberty Lockdown, congratulations. You're fucking awake. 
That's good. <laughs> I love it. That also means you're the type of person that cares about autonomy and freedom. And freedom is not just an abstract philosophical concept. It's not just some political theory. Freedom is how you actually live and engage with the world on a day-to-day basis. When the rubber meets the road, are you freer today than you were yesterday? Now, there's a lot of stuff that's outside of your control. There's a lot of aspects of freedom you can't control. But one that you can control is your career. Your career, if you're on the job hunt actively, or if you're just looking for how to parlay your skills into more opportunities to be an entrepreneur, to work for a a great startup, whatever it might be, go to crash.co, sign up for free to the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. You get absolutely awesome information and inspiration in your inbox every day and a bunch of free member benefits. You get access to career guides, a custom video pitch builder to showcase your skills, and a lot more. Go to crash.co, check it out, sign up for free, and keep listening to Liberty Lockdown. So in terms of like cancel culture, it's like, I don't understand why we are even playing in and acknowledging these people who are just hell-bent on screaming all the time over everything. They're always going to be outraged over something. And if so, we want a world in which we're able to have nuanced conversations and have nuanced takes and and say, you know what, maybe this isn't the perfect solution, but it's what we're going to do for right now. We have to stop frankly justifying ourselves to people who only want to be upset about something they're mm-hmm. always going to find a reason to be upset about something and you know i would frankly prefer as you know i tend to do on my twitter feed um, like to treat them with the righteous indignation with which they deserve <laughs> these are people that are actively inhibiting our ability to make any real progress in the real world these are usually people who have done nothing with their lives they haven't built anything they haven't given over to the cause they just complain and complain and complain all day on twitter so why would we allow conversation i yeah i don't know i mean this is this is the weird thing though because i'm opposed to cancel culture i don't want to cancel people that are trying to cancel people uh but at the same time those are the people i don't those are the people i don't want in my in my movement though um so i don't know how i deal with that you know like i i feel like maybe maybe you just have to have kind of a collective uh will that's stronger than the the cancelers themselves where you just say like we're not going to pay attention we're going to we're going to largely ignore the people that want to cancel anyone that's you know uh i don't know ver- viewed as alt-right or whatever boogeyman they're concerned about in that moment yeah i mean i agree i i fully celebrate their right to scream and cry on twitter all day every day and you know i'll, I'll do everything i can to protect their right to do that but am i going to invite them to a seat at the big boys table no. Am I going to base my perception of the world on them? No. Am I going to base my strategy on them or the people that I'm working with or what I'm trying to achieve? Absolutely not. If they want to behave like adults, then they can come and have a seat at the table. But until then, they're not going to be involved in my decision-making process. <laughs> I think that's very, <laughs> I think that's very reasonable. Well, I, uh, I had on uh, James Lindsay a couple of days ago and, ah. and, and he was, uh, you know, he has definitely opened my eyes as well as you have uh, about the critical race theory and and the I mean from I don't know I actually I don't know the details as to your your view as the uh the creation or the the initiation of this sickness in our culture mm-hmm. um but I'm curious to get your opinion on his thesis that this is basically a a multi-decade uh implementation of basically a cultural Marxist revolution it, what, what's your take on it 
Yeah, I am 100% aligned with James on this. I've had many conversations with him about this. And, and, and you know, like James and I approach this in different ways. James is very much looking at the literature and the research and the foundation and all this stuff and doing four-hour podcasts on Hegel, which God bless him, I'm not doing that. Um, I more so look at this from a practical perspective where um, I, I am mostly interested in how does this actually manifest in the real world? And I started looking at it from an organizational psychology perspective because I was seeing this woke training come up in organizations and I wasn't happy about it and I didn't think it was good. And then I started getting into what's going on in the schools and that is just a nightmare of epic proportion. Um, but I think um, I, I think one of the badges of honor that I have is that I've probably watched more woke training than any other person on the planet. I do it on my channel every Friday live. We, we watch right. woke training and I drink and we talk about it. Um, and because I, and I, I do that because I, I think it's very important that people actually see what's being taught and not just the headlines of what's being taught because what's actually being taught is oftentimes much more insidious than the headlines because if you look at the headlines you think this is all about people who have skin that looks like us like pasty white people right, right. it's not about skin at all it's all about power and in every single training that i watch the thing that they constantly bring it, it very consistently in every single one capitalism they hate capitalism and so, yeah, I'm absolutely in James Lindsay's corner on this one, where I do feel like this is about culture revolution. I feel it's about destabilizing the system. I think that these people absolutely hate capitalism. They want nothing to do with it. They want to implement a little Marxist utopia. And the only way that they can do that is by destabilizing every single system in our society. Yeah, I mean, that it seems pretty evident to me as well. I, I, the thing that I can't wrap my head around is... As a business person, you don't know my background, but I was a mortgage broker and that's what I did ah. professionally for a decade to get to a point of financial comfort that I could go and scream about the government. So uh, that's what I do. And, and as a business person and an entrepreneur, I can't imagine like having these things, having these monsters come in and indoctrinate and divide my workforce. And, and it's done at Fortune 500 company levels. I mean, it's maybe more prominent in the big business world than it is in, I mean, it's definitely more prominent in the big business world than the small business world because they don't have HR departments when you're a sole proprietor. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just not what happens. So why the fuck are they allowing this? It seems so uh, suicidal. I mean, like that, I don't understand it. Well, it absolutely is. And like I said, I, I got I started getting into this stuff before before 2020 when this stuff started appearing in organizations that I was doing work in. And you're at 100% right that this training, it disrupts the psychological safety of the team. It actively encourages team members to call each other out and spy on each other. And, and it's just, it's crazy. They have struggle sessions all the time. It, it destroys organizations. Now, after George Floyd died, though, there was a huge increase in it mostly because the organ, well, a couple reasons. Number one, there it's usually pushed by HR people within the organization and the CEO is kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever HR person, I don't really care. So they're like, it's the CEOs are like taking their eye off the ball and they're not paying attention. But the right. other thing is that, um, that there are organizations out there that are actively scared of being canceled by their own employees. Like they think their employees are going to stage. Well, I mean, we've seen this with Netflix, right? And so many other yeah. organizations, Spotify is one of them. Like uh, like the publishing houses that published Jordan Peterson's book. They're actively scared of their employees. And I'm like, fire them. That is my yes. number one advice. 
fire them, do what Coinbase did and offer a severance package, do what Basecamp did, offer a severance package. Red Bull doesn't take this crap from anyone. Like the Red Bull CEO, who's not American, was just like, nope, out. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not doing it. So it's like organizations are scared of their employees. It makes absolutely no sense. But that was just the world that we lived in in the immediate aftermath of George Floyd. God, that is so crazy to me because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as a very low level CEO, but you know, someone who had some people that work for him. Yeah. I would fire every motherfucker that comes at me. Like, <laughs> oh, you, 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 like every, like I asked them to come in on a Saturday and they go, oh, you racist piece of shit. I'd be like, all right, you're fired. What are you talking about? You can't call me racist. I'm trying to meet our business needs. And um, uh, the thing that perplexes me is, you know, the CEO's job is to not allow for pervasive cultural decay within the company like that. So for them to just allow the HR people to run amok is, I mean, it's damning. Like I, any CEO, if I was, if I was a big shareholder in any of these companies, the first thing I would be looking for is to make sure I do not have a pro woke CEO, because I would realize that it is sowing inevitable uh, discord into my my business, my baby, like the thing that's supposed to be making me money. Um, and it just doesn't seem as if it, it doesn't seem as if most people are either aware or there's not is, well, let me ask you, is there a increasing pushback and, and a, a, you know, come to Jesus realization that this is all extremely bad for business and that it's going to be a problem? And, and like, is there shareholder movements to stop this? I don't, I haven't heard of no. any. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, there, there are businesses individually that have figured it out. Like Coinbase is one of, of those businesses, um, like some of the ones we mentioned, but no, um, there I'm we go. Um, no. Okay. No, for the most part, the CEOs have not figured this out yet. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think it is incredibly irresponsible of CEOs to even coddle this behavior. I mean, look what happened in Netflix. You want to have a walkout over Dave Chappelle and a trans day of visibility. Now I have no problem with trans people. I want you to live your best life in whatever way makes you feel good, but that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like 15 years ago, staging an employee walkout because you don't like a decision the CEO made is going to lose you your job. Now it's going to get them a medal and probably put as the head of like the diversity committee or something. Um, So I do think a lot of businesses are going to suffer as a result of this, but it's not going to happen in the short term. This is like a long-term thing. And the problem is that a lot of businesses are probably going to blame it on other things. They're going to say, oh, the pandemic, oh, this, oh, that. They're going to make every excuse. But there is absolutely no evidence, none whatsoever in the organizational psychology research that says diversity training benefits organizations. (laughs) There is zero evidence of this. And at some point I have to hope that reason will prevail well james said uh and this was news to me but you're probably familiar with it that mm-hmm. the the first implementation of basic critical race theory was that uh was in the military and and they were really? they were yeah he said that they were doing it for the purpose of trying to bring the troops together and what they found was that instead the struggle sessions made some of the people radically concerned with racism and they saw racism in everything and it became a witch hunt and it started to to divide in the military ranks uh in a way that was very bad for you know mission accomplishments uh so i think that this is this is like we know that this is bad and yet it is still it's so pervasive and it's so consistently growing and i just God, I'm so concerned about it because as someone who does believe in capitalism, even though we don't really function in a capitalist society at this point, we function a fascistic, you know, (laughs) nightmare combination of the worst of both worlds. uh, 
I, I still am very nervous that the population, the people, the voters will push for the demolition of capitalism because they think that's what this is. And, and I don't know how we wake people up in time to realize like you're getting like if you take for granted the benefits that you've received from capitalism and free market economies uh, and you you focus on, uh, you know, white supremacy and and wealth inequality and all these things, as opposed to realizing that it's largely the the combination of big business with big government that is creating these problems that you're so concerned about, uh, you're going to get the worst of both. You're going to end up with none of the, the benefits of capitalism and all of the worst aspects of big government. And that seems like where we're headed. What do you think? I 100% agree. I think that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better, quite frankly. I do actually think that Biden's presidency could red pill a lot of people um, with how utterly badly it's going um and but but you know it's like it's so tough though because people are so hunkered down they're so dug in that it, and it takes a long time to wake up i mean people think that my journey like started and ended by going to a trump rally but they what they didn't know is it was a six-month proactive process of me questioning every single part of my life and most people don't do that it is a painful experience to acknowledge that everything that you have ever thought about the world is wrong and that you have been lost to by every single person you trusted and so it is an arduous task to get people to wake up and you know i'm i go back and forth i don't know like there are some days i'm black pill there are some days i'm white pill but what i am really glad about is that i do live in new hampshire hopefully at some point the sovereign kingdom of new hampshire and you know like i think i'm going to be fine either way and i think that one of the ways that we can safeguard against if it does get really bad is to find like-minded communities of people and make sure we're congregating with each other because if the world burns, at least we're going to be able to do what we want to do. And, you know, human beings are selfish and we have to take care of ourselves first. Yeah. Well, you, you and me both sister. I, uh, I, I was born and born and raised California and I fled just, oh God. just I'm four sorry. months, four months ago to Florida. I mean, I, I was fortunate in the fact that it was San Diego. So it wasn't, it wasn't the woke apocalypse like, like San Francisco <laughs> or Los Angeles. Uh, but it was, it was getting bad even in San Diego, which is a more, you know, purple area, more conservative leaning, um, even though it's not very conservative, certainly not conservative anymore, since they're having lockdowns and shit like that, which blew my mind. Um, what what was your uh, feedback or, or opinion of the lockdowns? Is it, is it, I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you were opposed to them, but I'm just saying, yes. like, do, do you think that there's any tie into this kind of like, cult like, uh, monolithic thinking that comes with critical race theory and and the the rise of wokeism and the willingness to accept this totalitarian kind of lockdown to deal with a virus. I, I, absolutely, every single thing is connected. Every single thing that they try to drum up is connected to each other. Whether it be lockdowns or vaccinations or passports or mandates or climate change is something that we're going to be uh, seeing them try to lock down stuff on, or or any any single tragedy that comes up and the news media just blows it out of proportion to try to make it some woke thing. Every single thing is connected to try to destabilize the system. I think that one of the biggest mistakes we ever made was agreeing to 15 days to slow the spread to begin 
begin with. Um, oh, I yeah. think that the second biggest mistake we ever made was giving in on the mask issue. Um, I have been screaming about the psychological impact of wearing a mask all day, every day since we started mandating them. I think that this is going to have insane mental health consequences, especially in children, because I believe that our ability to express ourselves, to say what we think, directly reflects our self-worth and our self-esteem and how much we believe our ideas have value in the world. And if you're yeah. wearing something over your mouth all day, every day, you're going to be much less inclined to express yourself. So I think we've got a major mental health crisis coming, um, and I don't think it's going to be good. Where have the social psychologists been? Like, well, why, why is there not kind of a, uh, what's the, the Barrington Declaration uh, from the social scientists? Um, because the American Psychological Association and the American Psychiatric Association are completely 100% and totally woke. The American Psychiatric Association is actually one of the associations that lobbied for all of the vaccine and mask mandates and passports and all that. The American Psychological Association recently issued a declaration that they apologize for their role in all systemic racism ever. Um, it's it's absolutely crazy. So no, the, the field of psychology is completely woke. I hear from people who are you know, going to school for counseling all the time, how awful it is. Um, the American Psychological Association is actively inhibiting the publication of research that opposes the woke agenda. They, they will do anything they can. Oh yeah, they will do anything they can to kill it. They try to get non-woke pro, uh, uh, professors fire, fired from faculty positions as though colleges and universities aren't woke enough already. Um, so no, oh we have God. a lot of people in um, industries that are supposed to help people that are behaving incredibly irresponsibly. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, it's funny because I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I feel like I just have a, I don't know, kind of a common sense approach to human psychology. And I understand people to a certain degree. And I was like, regardless of my opinion as to the danger of the virus itself, I knew there would be immense cost to having children and basically every man, woman and child not see a human face in public of a stranger for an extended period of time just seems like obvious. I mean, the, now I've read more of the research to understand, you know, uh, child development and, and all of the reasoning that it will be very problematic. But just from a gut instinct level, I was like, well, this is fucking insane. Like, well, unless, you unless, unless, like, unless you're dealing with something that is so fatal that like half of the population is going to die from it, you would never take this step. Like it is so, it's yeah. so catastrophic and so short-sighted. Did, well, I'll let you just kind of freewheel on this, but I would also like to know, why did they not bring in any social psychologists to the, the discussion when it came to formulating this plan? Because from my reading, it seems as if they just brought in, you know, uh, pathologists or whatever it's called. Yeah, I mean, I think that people need to start wrapping their heads around the idea that the goal is to destabilize the system. And when you look at every, every single thing that happens through the lens of the goal is to destabilize the system, then you start to see why they didn't bring in social psychologists. They don't care about it. it, it, it that, would, that would act in complete, uh, it, it would be completely the opposite of achieving their goal. Right. Right. If you want to accelerate things, you need to, you know, really go, go whole hog. But no, one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, can you imagine there are, there are children that were born almost two years ago that have rarely, if ever, seen a full human face by someone that is not their parents, almost two years old. 
This is this is going to be an absolute nightmare. That our formative years are before we are eight years old. Anything that happens before we are eight years old is pretty solidified in our brain and is extremely hard to change. And then you look at what they're doing with the schools closing down, with the the continued like children are growing up in schools right now, not understanding how to talk to one another. Even when the teachers try to force them to talk to one another, the kids are not doing it. They're refusing. Even if the teachers tell them you can take off their mask, the kids are not doing it. And then on top of it, they're doing critical race theory and social emotional learning, which is a whole new nightmare. We would require a whole separate show on like, it's going to be bad. People need to get their kids out of the schools. I don't care how hard you think homeschooling is. Um, if it, like entrepreneurs need to start developing resources to help make homeschooling easier, like homeschooling is our only way out of this. Um, I'll take school choice in the meantime as well and trying to defund the schools. Um, that's really like the thing I'm on right now. I do not believe we should be putting any public resources into the public schools because they are destroying our children. Oh, you status moderate. How could you <laughs> not go straight to abolition? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is this is exactly why I think I've been so deeply activated and, and emotionally driven over the past two years is because um, first, I care about kids, but secondarily, I, I care about living in a in a society that has well functioning adults, and I know that doing this to children during their formative years is going to be catastrophic. It's going to be I can't I can't even imagine what price we're going to pay. And this is the seen and unseen. You know, the scene is you might have a slight decrease in cases, but then the unseen is that you destroy fucking human civilization. <laughs> like that's that's where that's I mean, this is the the siren that I've been trying to sound. And and I just don't I, all right. So the, the reason I and I agree with you that this is intentional and the and the intent is to uh you know collapse things essentially are you uh, of the build back better world economic forum uh belief system that that is likely the impetus for all this i don't know if it's the impetus or if they're just taking advantage you know i i, I have mixed feelings about whether or not there are some evil overlords like orchestrating the whole thing most mostly i think that human beings are stupid and destructive enough to destroy themselves without actually having an end goal in mind and i do believe that most of the people who are implementing these things in our world they have not thought through to the logical consequences of their conclusion but do i believe the world economic forum is going to absolutely take advantage of everything that's happening now and try their very best to use it in any way that they can oh sure why wouldn't you i mean that's yeah. what that's what their deal is yeah well it's uh, i've been doing a deep dive ever since i talked to james on it and and let me tell you there there are political leaders across the globe that are all students of that uh i don't know even know college that they that they run for young leaders and and they they have been some of the most harsh lockdown proponents and it seems to me that there's a real correlation there, like a you know correlation causation. You can't you can't know, uh, but it it is highly concerning. And and it seems that these are people that that seek political power of the highest level. They they have a kind of a Malthusian belief in uh, you know cutting popul global populations and and kind of a technocratic top down approach to governance. And it's like I'd never, I never I even put out a thread this morning saying, look, I never believed in the new world order stuff. I didn't. I thought it was, you know, like the crazy uh, aspects of Alex Jones, not the good aspects of him. Mm -hmm. And and now I'm not so sure. Like I the the fact that it it has been so coordinated, like it, the reason I always opposed or never thought the New World Order stuff was legitimate was because I never saw like 
top-down global decision-making until 2020. And then I saw one of the most crazy things I've ever seen in my life happen uh, in almost every country on earth, which was lockdowns. And I was like, okay, now I'm willing to listen. Like, this seems possible. Uh, am I, am, have I totally lost the plot? No, I don't think you've lost the plot. And like I said, I kind of go back and forth on it. I will say that I do generally think that James Lindsay is one of the smartest people on the planet. And I'm not being facetious when I say that the man is an absolute genius. And in the way that he processes information and like puts things together, even if I'm not completely on board with something, I do tend to defer to James Lindsay. So no, I mean, I think that that it is a very real possibility. Um, I haven't quite worked my way there yet, but that's not to say I won't. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think you're two of the most brilliant people I've ever spoken with. So I want to really thank you for, for the time. And I hope that you can keep your spirits up as the, the hordes come after you. you. As you said, it's old hat to be canceled. Uh, but I appreciate your courage to continue to speak out. Uh, I think that regardless of, you know, sometimes we get opinions that, uh, that upset people or sometimes we get things wrong. Uh, regardless, it's, it's important to continue to speak boldly and to do so in an open way and to allow ourselves to think critically and to evolve our thinking and and what you've done over the past two years in doing so has been extremely valuable extremely courageous i think you've allowed a lot of other people to do the same and i think that you should be commended for it so thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me and again like my spirits are fine i actually think this is kind of fun i feel like i'm like fighting off the horrors it's like this is the only way i'm ever going to be a superhero in my real life and so no i'm i'm, I'm having a ball and you know Good. i would rather get canceled for putting bold ideas out there than to then to never put bold ideas out there and to not even try to begin with so i'm cool man thank you for having me on um and here cheers to future conversations absolutely if you could tell people where to follow you that'd be great yeah, the best place to follow me is on YouTube. Uh, my channel name is Carlin Borisenko, K-A-R-L-Y-N-B. It'll come right up. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Carlin B, and I'm on Locals at kb.locals.com. Awesome. Go support her. We, we need more people that are willing to think and speak out. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin' A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so 
hot, must be air July. Screaming in the mic, a rip for 59. Miles to Ray showed that black guns matter. Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders. None of us wanted war, but we're ready. You know I be bopping and rock steady. Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, we'll come and it'll go. The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe.